Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Applebee Bermuda Shorts podcast, short talks on all things Bermuda and business. In this tech talk series, we are going to talk about what's happening in the world of tech. I'm Jerome Wilson, head of Applebee's technology and innovation practice in Bermuda. Today, I'm joined by two esteemed colleagues of mine, the first being Carl Mayer. Carl, how are you? Good, thanks, Jerome. The last time we were here in this room recording a podcast was just before summer. And I remember saying to you, I'm so excited. The birds <laughs> are chirping. Um, it's time for boats. It's time for Bermuda summer. And boy, did that age poorly for me. <laughs> <laughs> because so no boating. What, no, no. what happened is half the team ended up going on holiday and, and I was one of the, the lucky <laughs> few and Karim was too. Yes. Um, so before you get into that, I wanted to also introduce our newest member of the team, Karim Crary. Karim, welcome. This is your first podcast with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excited to learn more and share more. So thank you guys for, for that introduction. So um, you were saying, Carl, so the summer, the summer came and went really fast, didn't it? Yeah, there was a, it was a lot more document drafting, <laughs> <laughs> a lot more Damba application doing than there was boating, but we love what we do, so no complaints. No, that's good, and that means we were busy, and I think that uh, the conversation that we're going to have today is going to be a testament to that. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you're going to enjoy the conversation to have. Today, we're going to cover a couple of topics, and they will be under more or less the, the following headings. The first thing we're going to do is look at some legislative changes that have occurred since the summer. The second thing we want to do is kind of take a temperature check of where the market is as of today and um you know kind of do a a stock taking as to where things are and what we've gotten to just to after the summer and then the last thing that we'll do is we'll kind of put our pull out our crystal ball and see if we can look into the future between now and the end of the year and now and sort of beyond this year into 2024 as to where we think the digital asset business space in bermuda is going to go without further ado Let's get started. And so since we were last here, there were a couple of things that were going on that in the market that were needed to be addressed. There were a couple of um, items specific to DABA that the government took a look at and addressed in a real way. So the first was in relation to licensed entities that wanted to do business in Bermuda. So Carl, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that and, and what the actual change was yeah so um i guess just as a as a slight bird's eye view of the the changes we're going to be looking at changes to the digital asset business act itself changes to the companies act and what you're alluding to is, is change to the companies act that's and actually right. the limited uh, liability companies act too that's right so the changes to section 129a of the Companies Act, mm-hmm. and previously what that meant was in order to do business in Bermuda, um, a company would need to apply for a license, and what this change in Section 129A means is that a company licensed under the Digital Asset Business Act falls within an exemption and no longer needs to apply for such license. And just so that we're clear for our listeners, the license that you're talking about under the Companies Act, that was a separate license 
distinct and separate from the digital asset business license right. that it was required to, to obtain, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that made our lives a lot easier because we had a couple of clients and, and, and just, I guess, the biz, entire industry before this change, if they wanted to actually have clients or customers in Bermuda on their platform, if it was such a platform, then they would need to themselves get a 129A license. Now, the government has been great with issuing those licenses. Um, I know that the Minister of Finance has been really active in those discussions because those applications uh, are ultimately made to his office. But it was another sort of fee, another kind of timeline, another kind of thing for us as practitioners to worry about. And so this change is very welcome because if a company is licensed on the DABA and then they want to do business and want to have customers in Bermuda, then all they need to do is do it. They don't need to get any further license. They don't need to get any further permission. They could just open their platform to us and generally do it. Now, they may have some sort of other requirements that they need to be mindful of so we can have those discussions with them offline but generally that's what they would need to do am i right exactly right and then just worth noting that a similar section to 129a in the limited liability companies act was section 24 which has been amended in line with the same the same principle Okay, great. So that was a pretty big one that we knew was coming down the pipe, but actually just came live in the sort of sort of summer period. Another one that another change that occurred that I don't think we had too much heads up about, but it was very welcome. Like it was really, really good for us was the exemption order. So, Carl, tell me about the exemption order and what that means for the jurisdiction. Sure. So the exemption order essentially is. An, an exemption, as it sounds, an exemption from requiring a license under Section 10 of the Digital Asset Business Act. Okay. In the exemption order, we split out between two categories of persons, specified persons, non-specified persons. These are set out in Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 of right. the exemption order. Schedule 1 is the specified persons, which is the authority itself, the BMA, the government of Bermuda and any entity owned by it, and a public authority. So, broadly speaking, we're talking about the government and government entities yep. as specified persons. Okay. What that means is that specified persons don't need to go through any additional steps in order to fall within this exemption and do digital asset business without requiring a license. Okay. They are exempt outright. For the second category of persons, the non-specified persons, there's slightly more um, more of a, a layer, which is notification needs to be provided to the BMA that this per- this type of person wants to um, fall within or intends to fall within this exemption order. And what we have in Schedule 2, the non-specified persons, is a list, essentially five categories of people or persons, which can fall within the exemption and need to notify the BMA okay. that they fall within this exemption. What's interesting is that a few of these we've seen before, so it, they're not all new exempted persons. They were either fell within a specific exclusion from a definition mm-hmm. under the, the Act, under the Digital Asset Business Act, or they fell within Section 11.5 of the Act, which set out certain exempted activities. 
So what I'll do is I'll run through Schedule 2 as it stands in the exemption order now, these non-specified persons, these categories of persons, and I will explain which ones Okay, because I was was going to, so no, that's fine, because what I was going to ask is, basically what you're saying is that the non-specified categories of of, of persons, exempted, potentially exempted persons, they've expanded on what's been in the act. So they've included what's in the act, and then they've added an additional. That's right. Okay. So, so in... In Schedule 2, we have these five categories, as I alluded to before. The first is a person providing an affinity or rewards program. Understood. And as you know, that that fell within the digital asset definition as an exclusion, specifically in that definition before. The second is a publisher issuing either himself or via another person on behalf of him, or on his behalf a digital representation of value which is used exclusively within an online game or game platform okay and i know we've we've probably spoken about that on the on the Previous, podcast before yep. actually um, that exclusion is essentially the same but notably the word exclusively is included in this list now so the use of um the use of a digital representation of value exclusively within an online game so obviously we know that things like nfts can be used in games and they can be traded and they can be taken offline what what the bma clearly does not want is that to be a loophole so understood if it's exclusive within a game can't be taken off uh, outside of that ecosystem that falls within the exemption the third is a person provided date providing data storage or security services for a digital asset business, and this is essentially the same um, the same exemption which fell within section eleven of the digital asset business act before. The one that I know you are very excited <laughs> to talk about is number four, which is an undertaking providing any digital asset business activity solely for the purpose of its business operations or the business operations of any group undertaking. Yeah, and that has a couple of sort of other definitions under it, but basically it means any company that's within the group. Yes, and how that's different is the exemption before was what we always refer to as a vertical relationship. Right, it was a parent-sub-relationship. Parent, exactly. And now the idea of group has been expanded to include a parent of an undertaking, a subsidiary of, of an undertaking, a subsidiary of a parent of an undertaking, a parent <laughs> of a subsidiary. You get it's the, you get it's the just, point. It's, it's basically a group company. Exactly, yeah. yes. But it's solely, so it's, it's if it's just providing services to within the group, then that falls for the exemption. If it steps outside of that group and is providing services to third parties, then that would fall, that would require that entity to get licensed. That's right. Good. And so there's a fifth category as well. There is, which also I know Matt Ebbs has been on (laughs) on the podcast a few times before too, and he was very excited about this one, which is an investment fund that has appointed an investment manager that is licensed under the Investment Business Act. Yes. That's important because basically if they have an investment manager that's licensed, then they don't have to get another license. Exactly. We should probably point out that the Investment Business Act uh, 2003 is Bermuda legislation. Yes. relates to 
Bermuda legislation. That's right. So if they're if they're registered outside the Bermuda, then that doesn't count. Unless they're an authorized, a recognized regulator, a license with a recognized regulator is the okay. Got it. Okay, so this is really good for us as a jurisdiction because it does it sets some ground rules. So before, if you fell into a an exemption, you kind of just went about it, and you you may have spoken to the BMA to get their view, or you may not have. But what is the key thing? I think you mentioned this at the top. Although it opens up the exemptions, especially on the group side and the and also on the investment business act side, where you're an investment manager, what is the main thing that uh, an exempted entity now needs to do right the most important thing obviously is notifying the bma right so there is a standardized form now which is available on the bma's website we've gone through it recently so very importantly yes we need a we need a notification to the bma in order to fall within this exemption and there is now a standardized form very simple to follow yep. on the bma's website you fill out what category you think you fall within you set out details of the business of the of the group you fall within and well, if you fall within a, a group of companies and you submit that notification to the BMA and then importantly there's also an annual declaration which comes on top of that so once you fall within the exemption and you've notified you then have to give an annual declaration to the BMA that you intend to continue, continue as an exempted uh, person under under the exemption order. And that annual declaration is made every January of each year, I believe. Yes, it's every January. No, that's that's really good. So that's where the government has updated it's, our legislation. Sorry, it's not. It's before 31 March. March, okay. Yeah. So that exemption is made every March of each year. That's correct, by okay. 31 March every year. Okay. And so this is really good news for us as a jurisdiction the government has been actively listening to industry, actively discussing how ways to make the legislation more practical, and I would say better. Um, and not better because the legislation wasn't bad, but better in the sense that it's it's clarified things. You know that group exemption was very well much needed. I think that that's a game changer for a lot of companies. We've been having having discussions ourselves with groups, and they were talking about getting each entity licensed because of the activities. Exactly. And now that's fallen away for one or more. Because of this um, exemption order, and that's a good thing. That's going to attract business. We feel to Bermuda. The one two nine amendment is also very welcome because it just removes one other thing off the table. And so, again, this is evidence that the government of Bermuda listens. It's easy for us to amend our legislation to get sort of practical amendments in and to have them approved because the government and because the way of our legislation works, there is an active sort of pipeline, I guess is the word I'm looking for, where changes can be made to critical legislation very quickly once it's proposed, once it makes sense, and once it's for the betterment of the legislation and the jurisdiction. So transitioning away from the legislation now, turn our thoughts and our focuses on you, Karim. What I want you to talk to our listeners about is just some of the statistics that we've seen or that uh, that have occurred this year in respect of the register of companies that have been licensed in Bermuda. What are we seeing? What are the trends? Well, currently, 
even though there's been somewhat of a, let's say, bearish market or a bearish paradigm towards the market this year, we've still seen companies coming and registering. Uh, I believe you, you stated earlier there was about, um, towards the end of 2022, 16 companies. Now we're sitting around 23. There was seven new registrations this year. Two major names have entered into the space, both Cash App and Coinbase, which is showing that major industry players are still looking at this at this at our jurisdiction as one to be viable for the growth of their companies. Following those two full license um full license grants, we had a a number of medium licenses that were granted to companies that were again offering similar services, custodial wallet services, exchange exchange derivative services. And we had one one T license as well that was offered. So even though there has been, again, maybe a bullish paradigm towards the crypto market, our jurisdiction is still showing growth and people coming here to to expand their, their businesses. That's good. And so just to give a recap, so we've had two F licenses, four M licenses or a number of M licenses and one T license. And one testing license. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's still, you know, that's a, and that's as of today at recording. We think that for the rest of the year, the register is going to continue to grow you know, there are others in the market that are looking to get licensed and at various stages of licensing. We know of some. There are others that are with other firms and with other service providers. So the, the, the we can imagine that the license, the registered companies, last year there were 16. This year we think that there, it may not double, but it was it's going to grow by at least, you know, an, a healthy percentage uh, by about uh, 60, 70%, you would imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And and companies are still moving to Bermuda because they see the the benefit to their to their jurisdiction. We've had conversations with people trying to move entities within their group of companies here because they know of the 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 advantages that our jurisdiction can offer. Still, that's right. So Bermuda remains an attractive jurisdiction in a nutshell. Is what you're saying. Yeah. And so the market sentiment that we have, and I think that we are feeling that we're seeing on the ground, is one of positivity. People are still coming here. We're still having calls. We're still being engaged. We're still dealing with transactions for new entrants into this market. Uh, and we ourselves, as I said before, have different licenses uh, at different stages of their um, life cycle, as well as others do. And and due to our, our popularity, we've seen the government be able to market our jurisdiction very, very successfully. I'm sure you guys have previously talked about our time at Consensus, but also we have our fifth annual tech summit approaching in, in October. And all all metrics point to the fact that the interest is growing, the amount of people is growing that attend. And these aren't only um, businesses that are here on island, but it's also people coming uh, from a way to either explore the potential opportunities that the jurisdiction has or take ideas back to where their jurisdictions are on how they can implement similar things that we've that we've implemented here so yeah no i'm glad you mentioned the tech summit because that's a part of the discussion we want to talk about for the future so why don't we pull out our crystal balls right now and talk about the future in how do we view the future in of this space i mean we think that it's going to continue to be buoyant. It's going to continue to be viable. It's going to continue to grow. The Tech Summit is one of the areas which is going to help it to grow. Uh, there was a large presence at uh, Consensus from Bermuda this year, larger than it before. The Tech Summit coming up 
is going to also be a large presence. Anyone listening to this has not registered their attendance and really wants to be here, we would suggest that you do so. It's going to be a good opportunity to meet people who are like-minded, to meet the government, to meet the regulators, just to meet the entire ecosystem that exists in Bermuda and which would help you if you're on the fence. You know, we think that it would help you make a decision for Bermuda. And so the, the, the important thing is, is the now and the future is now because it is growing. And so I don't know how you guys feel. I know you're, you're, I'm going to say this listeners, so it's not a disrespect to them or, or insult to myself, but these guys are younger than me. <laughs> they all have their hair and, you know, no, not a, not a, not a side of gray in the distance. And, um, you know, how do the younger people in, of our gener- of our country feel? You know, are they talking about it? Are they eager to be a part of this? Are they tooling up to be ready to be employees or leaders in um, these businesses that are coming here, that are looking for talent, that are looking to hire? We had a discussion with Jeff Barron a couple months ago, and he was talking about, as a Bermudian, how proud he feels in being able to be in this sector and how he feels about being um, ready and what we as as our as a, as Bermudians need to do to be prepared to take the roles that are coming. And so, my question to you guys is: How do you feel about it? How do you feel about the future? I'll I'll let Karim talk to the idea of you know, what the what the kids on the ground are, are doing and, and the projects they're involved in and and where he sees the kind of growth for Bermuda and, and startup kind of culture and that kind of, cause I know he's very involved in that community. I just, uh, if I'm taking out my crystal ball and it's I'm seeing out, Carl, it's, it's already, already out. out. There it is. <laughs> yeah. It's already out. So it's not, if you're taking it out, what does it say? I, I think we continue to see sort of ancillary use case kind of businesses in Bermuda, in the in the digital asset space or the um, decentralized ledger technology space, I think we see more digital assets being used in, in insurance. I think we see more kind of innovative uses of of ledger technology, which falls within this legislation. We've seen obviously a, a lot of um, exchanges and and derivative exchanges being licensed, but we've we've also started seeing payment service provider type of, of activity. And I think we, we see that going growing. The, growing into the future. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a lot of exchanges anymore. They were the first wave yeah. certainly, and they're still around, but um, yeah, you said they're transitioning to insurance to more, to other practical uses, which is good. Which yeah. It's great. So Karim, what, what are, what are, what are the younger people in, saying on the ground here in in my circles there's there's definitely two two separate camps there are the those who are less informed a lot of people see it just as a immediate money making tool a lot of my friends were in on the nft minting stage but on a more serious note the ones that are a lot more um i guess informed on the development they are seeing the implications of let's say uh, how you can sell your likeness <laughs> using using the blockchain. I, I, I'm very, very 
I guess, hesitant to sort of expound upon this because the usual, the, the most... The most useful applications of this technology in Bermuda, especially on a on a global scale for our population, is the ancillary services that Kyle just brought up, the insure techs, the, the climate techs, the, the things that will provide niche products for not only our jurisdiction, but similar ones around us that don't have as much standing. So I'm seeing a lot of push in insure tech and climate tech amongst my friends who actually understand code. Right. But they also, they also, um, I just... I was having a conversation with one of my friends who's originally Bermudian but moved to the U.S. about um, how they can sell their likeness. A lot, of, a lot of them are interested in the idea of being able to put their digital selves out there and sell it. And sell that's it, coming. Sell it like a stock. Yeah. But, but as for practical, practical um, uses, uh, right now. uses right now, it's climate tech and insured tech. It's climate tech and insure tech, and a lot of my friends are trying to see how they can use this new side of the industry to, you know, gain an expertise that other people older than might not have. They'll have the, they'll have the experience in insurance and they'll have the experience in business, but this technology application side, a lot of younger Bermudians are seeing, we can offer a product that we can have our own expertise on, which provides value rather than just having to be trained and brought up understood and that, that's then that's interesting that's important i think that the future is going to be interesting that discussion is going to happen in earnest at the tech summit coming up it's going to continue past then and it's going to keep evolving you know there's going to be the next large conference next year and the other and then the conferences will keep going over and over around and around the important thing is that we continue to grow and maintain the ecosystem that is here you know bermuda is, is growing there are people coming there are people every day who start off as digital nomads uh, or people who are listening those are just people who can live and reside here but Know, don't have to work or receive their primary paycheck in Bermuda. And then they they realize that they want to continue to live here. In short and in closing, the ecosystem, the legislation that has been changed, the service providers that are here, the register that is growing and continues to grow, that is all going to feed into the future, which is the Shore techs, climate techs, and the other ancillary services and other things, even the selling of their digital likenesses, those things will all hopefully take root here and lead to bigger and better. And so thank you for your participation, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to our listeners. If you want to get in touch with either of us or any of us, please feel free to look at the show notes and to contact us. This is the first of the continuing series after our summer break. And we look forward to being here with you for our next episode very shortly. Bye for now.